communities around the world are shifting towards a well-being economy. Economies touch every aspect of our lives. Whenever we create and exchange, when we care for or teach one another, when we rest, give or receive, economies are present. But what is an economy really for? Is it serving us or are we serving it? I think an economy should serve the mothers, the children, the teachers, the doctors, all the people that live in it. It's thriving. It's meeting the needs of all people within the means of the living planet. To be good stewards of the planet, to be good stewards for one another. That's what an economy should be. What we're being asked to do essentially is to put aside our assumptions about how the world worked in the past. So I think the economy needs to shift toward promoting flourishing of life in all its forms, um, rather than just promoting a system of monetary exchange. It's about looking after our planet, our home, and how we manage as a global tribe. You can't just have one set of people kind of imposing those needs on the rest of society. So you have to include everybody in that dialogue about, about what kind of economy we want. In order for people to be truly liberated, for people to be truly free, they must have control of their economic futures. This is a thousand hands, a thousand seeds blooming. We held a national conversation with the citizens of Wales and we posed the question, what's the Wales you want to leave behind to your children and your grandchildren and future generations to come? We began with Amsterdam and other cities and towns and nations and islands started picking up these concepts too, from Barbados to Barcelona, from Copenhagen to Cali, Colombia. We're working with a community in Pomona, California to help co-create a vision for well-being and then move from that vision toward a strategy. If you ever think that you're too small to make a difference, okay, Wales is a tiny nation of just over three million people um, and yet we have this world-leading legislation. Just basically how do you work with your neighbour, how do you work with your friend, your enemies, how do you relate with them in a way that their life the way they live their day-to-day -day life is thriving. So this is possible, it is happening now, and we need all of us to come together as a one voice to demand for change. That's what the next five years are about, and not giving up hope, not giving up the fight, not stopping that action that will eventually lead to a better world. It's happening. Thousands of people and organizations around the world are working towards a well-being economy. Join us. Welcome, folks. Thanks for being here. My name is Jack Rabbit, and you are you are on Redneck Gone Green. Uh, really happy to have you all here today. Uh, uh, I am uh, your uh, sitting in host for today's. Uh, live stream. <clears throat> David couldn't make it. So today it is just, uh, it's going to be me and the wonderful people who uh, helped to produce that video that you just watched. Very excited today to talk about um, the well-being economy and what that means and how that's consistent with a lot of the ideas that we've shared on Redneck Going Green <clears throat> up until today about really just kind of having an economy that is uh, sustainable, that works for all of us, that we're all a part of and an integral part of that works together with the world around us. It's a very exciting concept and it seems so alien, right, to us in growing up in this monstrous, uh, brutal capitalist system that we are currently in um, that is dominating the world in so many different ways. So um, I'm not going to waste a whole lot of time with the introduction. I'm really glad that you're all here. I'm very excited uh, to be hosting for the first time. It's a little awkward for me, but I kind of love it at the same time. So um, I'm really, <clears throat> really excited to welcome um, Philip Clayton, who is the president of the Institute for Ecological Civilization, and Kali Young. Um, let me bring them onto the stage here. All right, Kali Young is uh, serving as the U.S. coordinator at the Wellbeing Economy Alliance, also um, often referred to as We All. We All is a global collaboration of organizations, alliances, movements, and individuals working towards this well-being economy. So, Kali and Philip, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to Redneck Gone Green. Hey, Jack Harvey, thanks for having us. Thank you. 
Awesome. Awesome. So let's start with, uh, with you, Kali. Can you uh, uh, let us know who you are, what you're doing, um, at wh and what you're, what you're doing with the well-being economy? Sure. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm Kali. I am in California, and I have a long history in alternative economics. Um, I think I was calling it alternative economics before anything else because there wasn't a name and then started working in solidarity economy, particularly in the Bay Area, um, and then with USN. And one of the pieces of the that kind of aligns with what I think we're talking about, to, we're going to be talking about today, which is the Just Economy Summit, is um, back ar around 2008, 2009, um, during the recession, I was part of a group of folks that was trying to kind of reinvent the economy in the Bay Area both through community um, currency and worker cooperatives, land trusts, and trying to connect all these things um, to form an alternative economy in the Bay Area, um, which me and a bunch of other folks called JazzCon, Just Alternative Sustainable Economies. And we held the first festival of grassroots economics. Um, and that, that dream sort of fizzled out with San Francisco's tech boom and um and my transition to another part of the country but i still harbored those dreams and um in tandem i think you know after that uh the movement continued on and i i came back around covid and um started working for cooperation jackson and working with david on the decolonizing economic summit and then with we all and um yeah, I think I'm still very inspired by the solidarity economy part of the movement, you know, the community ownership part. Um, and yeah, building movements for collective liberation um, and economic democracy. And so the work that I've been trying to do with We All is kind of an, a broad view of what folks are doing at the local level and at the state level across the country. Um, and I've been inspired by some particularly state level projects that I was really excited about. And we can talk about them later, but in um, Alaska, Hawaii, Washington, and Appalachia in particular, um, and want to help bring some of that inspiration to California. I feel like California has been really stuck for a while. It's, it's sort of a leader in, in a lot of um, areas of economics and, and progressive policy around environmental issues and social issues. And also, I think that there is, that more radical change is, is quite difficult at a state this large. And so we kind of want to push the envelope, I think. And um, yeah, I'll get into more than nuts and bolts of that. Um, as, as we talk about the summit, but I'll pass it on to, to you or to Philip. Well, thank you, Kelly. Kelly that's awesome. That's an amazing, um, that's an amazing list of things. I, I'm very impressed and, and excited to have you on board. And uh, Philip, please um, introduce yourself to our guests, I mean, to our audience. Again, Jack Ruby, thanks for having me on the show. I'm a fifth generation Northern Californian, grew up in the traditional lands of the Hopi people near the coast and um, went back east and got education and wrote books. And in about 2010, I realized that I couldn't go on writing books about the theories of Marxism and new economics because the crisis of injustice was out of control. We got together with a bunch of people in LA and started planning a international conference. We found a million dollars and um, brought in people from around the world under the title, Seizing an Alternative, Seizing an Alternative toward an ecological civilization. We wanted to name the hope, the destination where we have to go. It's gonna be some kind of human civilization still. It's gonna be organized in certain ways and it's gotta be ecological if it's gonna be just. The growing um, ecological crisis means that I think the greatest injustice in the history of the planet, that the rich and powerful ones are creating pollution that are destroying the farmlands and even the ability to live for peoples uh, in the global south. So it seems like it's just time to turn that one around. After the conference, we drew 2000 people, it went really well. And so we launched EcoCiv to carry on that work. Uh, we work pretty simply with sustainable access 
to water, food, and jobs. We're involved with water projects and food projects in Africa. And in California, we work primarily in, in Southern California, Pomona area, Pomona Valley, with access to work. It struck us recently that there wasn't really a coalition that's supporting on the ground efforts around the state. People are doing work, they're underfinanced, they're underheard, they have trouble getting a microphone to be recognized, mm -hmm. and yet they're doing incredible things. Uh, Cali has years and years of experience in trying to bring about that kind of change. And yet it's hard to have impact when you can't get heard by the guys that are spending the money of the, what are we, the world's sixth largest economy. I think it's, it's fourth now. Fourth, see it's fourth. insane just amounts fourth. of money and we're struggling to find a few dollars. So this upcoming conference on March 8th and 9th, the California Just Economy Summit is about that project. And that's what we're here to talk about. Right, I think, uh, and thanks for uh, mentioning that. I should have uh, mentioned the California Just Economy Summit uh, that is coming up on March 8th and 9th, as you just mentioned, Philip, that uh, both of you are involved with. And so we're definitely gonna be talking more about that. Um, it's one of the things that, that lights up for me that, that you brought up, Philip, is, is kind of this idea of um, uh, being able to provide support, like a, a, a kind of a, a larger organization that helps local, more local um, uh, efforts and supports more local efforts. Can you, can you uh, both of you or either one of you kind of talk a little bit more about your efforts to have a, a kind of more like have a more of an institutional framework for people to plug into? Um, can you talk about that a little bit? How about if I offer a picture and then Kelly knows a lot of the on the ground efforts really well and she maybe can can bring in some detail for the picture. So early on, we pictured an hourglass in cities, in rural areas and native lands around the state. There are people that are working away. And they're underfunded, underheard, uh, and it's so difficult to make an influence. If we could bring together a coalition of these organizations, it increases the volume of our work. It makes it more possible to bring those voices, to bring those efforts, to bring those insights and projects that are being launched to the level of the state so it will get attention. Where else? Sacramento. We wanted to be there and be heard. We want to make as much noise and get as much coverage as possible on that Friday and Saturday a week and a half from now. But then we need to get up there and to be able to magnify those voices, to reach legislators, to influence policy. And just like when we marched in San Francisco when I was a kid, then the, you can magnify our voice because there are hundreds of thousands of us. So also, if we can get together as a coalition representing the individual projects, then we can have more impact in transitioning toward a just economy. And Kali, like, so do you want to follow up with that? Sure. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I had a little bit of an influence in um, crafting the agenda. And one of the things that I brought to I'm going to be bringing to the summit is the idea that you know the economy isn't working for us COVID made that very clear like a lot of people really suffered particularly um, the service workers and um, the lower class folks the working class folks um, and I think that caused us to take a moment of pause and really think like is this even really you know we like mainstream folks even lower, you know, working class folks had sort of like bought into the dream for the most part, um, the American dream, of like, oh, you can move up. But the reality is, is that, um, yeah, we don't have that kind of power and any little, I mean, not even little, but any um, kind of disaster like COVID or as we move into, you know, um, climate disaster, the people who are most vulnerable um, don't have a voice and they don't have, um, they're basically not being served by the economy and they and that's partly because they don't have a voice and so i think you know what i would like to see happen with this is also just like a, a real in-depth re collective reimagining of what the economy is for and what it will do and i think that you know when i've seen groups of folks um do that kind of revisioning that reimagining um they come up with much more radical um plans and programs and and projects together than what they thought was possible because we're given this slate of like oh well you can you know maybe we can like increase home ownership or 
you know, um, maybe we can slightly increase the minimum wage and things like that. And while those are extremely important, particularly in the state, um, you know, I think a longer, more radical vision would be very helpful. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love that you're saying that because I, I think that that's something that the, the people who are in power are very afraid of is just the idea that that people have more options than they are currently being told that they yeah. have. And so it is really wonderful and to inspire people with an idea of like, you know, worker-owned co-ops and why they're important, why they matter, public banking, uh, you know, stuff like stuff along those lines. Um, so what I um, what I would like for you all to share with us is what what you mean by ecological civilization. So what is it that we are working for? Can you talk a little bit more about that vision so that we can uh, we can better understand it and and then maybe we can talk a little bit more once we understand more of the concepts and the ideas around it and why it's important. Maybe we can also then kind of talk a little bit about like what that looks like practically on the ground, how people are putting it into practice and how regular people who are just like watching and aren't necessarily professional activists or organizers can kind of get involved. Why don't I do the first half and then Kelly's got lots, to, probably lots to say about on the ground. We wanted to put the problem in people's faces, like in a dramatic way. And so we thought everyone thinks of civilization as inherently anti-ecological because for the last 400 years, modern civilization has been colonizing globally, building on slave trade and other more violent forms of colonization. And then they found a really effective way, create merchandise, control the system, gain money for the corporations in the global north. and. Um, create a global market that would support the wealth of the global north. And that became the dominant civilization over the last 400 years. Ecological, we became aware, is crucial to the survival of our species and many other species. I don't need to say a lot about how serious that crisis has become, but I want to say that the ecological crisis is a justice issue from top to bottom because it involves the people who have the most wealth with their overconsumption, destroying farmlands, destroying waterways, destroying now more rapidly species and so forth. So if you could put in people's faces what it would mean to break out of this current system and to move to a new economic system that was an ecologically based civilization. And by that, we mean ecological justice, social justice and economic justice built into the very fabric of a society. And you guys, that's radical social change. That's the kind of stuff that David Cobb talks about as one of my mentors. Um, so that's the name that we gave the our organization. We're only one of many, many, many members in the coalition, but that's where we happen to come from. Kelly, I know you can talk about maybe some of the stuff on the ground. And uh, Kelly, Kelly, before we get to you, uh, I want to just kind of like bring up Dave who says the underserved are not served by the economy, but rather they are servants for the economy. Brilliant. And I think that's definitely what you were getting at there, Phil. And um, and also uh, Kelly, who says the education aspect is so important. Most people don't even know what other options are out there. Absolutely. And so, yeah. And, you know, and, and that's so important. I love that the summit is, is working towards uh, working towards bringing that out and bringing that message out. Um, and, and hopefully I, I, you know, at, at some point we should probably talk about a little bit more about what you are doing to bring that message to people since it's, it's great to have it out there, but it really needs to reach people. So, but yeah, let's, uh, Kali, please like, uh, kind of riff off of what Phil was just talking about. Yeah, I guess I want to kind of bring in, uh, some examples from other states, um, that have begun this reimagining process of, um, an ecological economy and an ecological civilization. I mean, really the economy is supposed to be serving civilization. It's supposed to be um, serving community. Um, and it hasn't been doing that. In fact, it's been pulling us away from that. And so um, in particular, like I said, um, you know, uh, Hawaii in the Aina Aloha economic futures around COVID, they really did this, um, participatory democracy process where they gave got massive input from the population about like how they could reimagine their their economy to be more circular more sustainable 
and in particular, really grounded in indigenous um, ways of thinking, centering the ecosystem and centering community as a whole, basically as a connected whole. Right? And similarly in Alaska, which has suffered um, already some of the worst effects of climate change in the country, um, they've been having you know, buildings are like actually falling into the ocean, being hit by storms. The the fisheries are collapsing. The tundra permafrost is melting. Um, and yeah, the ecosystems are, are suffering quite a bit. And, the, and so are the subs, uh, subsistence communities there. And so they got together and this started a little bit before COVID with indigenous leaders, but moved into, you know, a more um, broad and, and well-organized process around COVID um to kind of bring in folks from um uh, from the indigenous communities and also from the non-indigenous communities and grassroots organized grassroots organizing um social justice organizations environmental organizations a broad coalition of folks kind of moving forward again kind of revisioning the the economy um and they've had a number of summits they're about to have one um very soon in march called remembering forward um and they were very influenced by the just transition process, but also, you know, really what does, they're, they're trying to reimagine like, what does the local, um, what does the local culture say? And, and looking back and looking forward um, about what indigenous cultures in the area have said and how they live sustainably in land, how they still live sustainably on the land and having that inform, um, you know, their economic plans and what they suggest to the government. So most of this is like grassroots organizing and it's a parallel process that helps kind of push policy. Um, but also they do stuff outside of policy, outside of trying to influence government. They start programs, they start businesses and um, try and get, you know, entrepreneurial programs running and trying to get the government to support um, around policy, trying to get the government to support like community owned broadband that's, you know, worker cooperative owned and um, all of that stuff. And so, um, yeah, additionally, the state of Washington, similarly, and I think that's a little bit more parallel to, to you know, what we might be looking at in, in California, you know, we definitely want to like include that indigenous um, voice and in that indigenous perspective, which still very much exists in California. And we also have, you know, a really strong social justice orientation, um, and environmental justice orientation and bringing that into the fold and how that might influence things moving forward. But, um, but yeah, Washington state has done amazing things. Um, again, developing participatory, participatory processes and kind of revisioning what the economy might look like. And they've done that under um, Jay Inslee's progressive leadership and across the agencies developing like a 10-year poverty reduction program with influences um, from community assemblies and representation from, you know, groups such as like homeless folks and um, folks who have experienced drug addiction and, and so on, and having them actually co-create the policy in a system of co-governance. And so we have, um, they also have the HEAL Act, which is more of an environmental justice thing, but I would say like the common thread is like we're seeing this emergence of communities kind of rising up, um, building coalitions of organizations and trying to reimagine their economy for what they want, not for what they're told is possible based in local community, local cultural, sometimes, you know, with that indigenous influence values um, and definitely, you know, serving environmental justice with that you know, the, and including the ego identity of where they're based. That's, that's amazing. Um, thanks for sharing all that with us. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that it's so important for like, so one of the things that, that comes up for me is that it sounds to me like you're talking about a lot of organizations that already exist and that people can plug into that um, are, that you're, you are, Kind of bring together in a coalition to be able to work together and 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 help each other out and stuff is that is that what's going on yes and obviously when there are existing organizations that have people and communications networks and can get people out so an actionable group with placards or with protests then you've got more power but what surprised us as we're preparing for folks to arrive next friday the 8th 
is that a lot of people haven't found their people. And they say, they say, you know, when you sign up on the website for 2024 California Just Economy um, Summit, uh, and there's a little survey and we ask people, what, what are you looking for? And they're saying, I'm looking for my people. You know, I, there's so many options. There's so many ideas, but I feel completely alone and I don't have a, a home. So what we decided to do was to um, not have a bunch of speakers where you sit there and have to take notes. Just one opening talk, an incredible woman from Washington State. And then after that, tables where uh, speed dating, organizational speed dating, uh, World Cafe, a lot of ways of doing the conversation, hunting for what the people who are there see as the problems around the state and what are the steps that need to be done. I love I hearing that. There's a crying need right now, Jack Robert, for that kind of. Oh, absolutely. No, I think it's so important. I mean, like, I think the best thing that that we can do is bring people together. Just bring yeah. people together in space is, is in and of itself a revolutionary act. And um, so, yeah, I, I do want to kind of like, uh, kind of talk a little bit about Kali. I wonder if you want to talk about the well-being economy. Do you do you want to kind of talk about how that plays uh, plays into uh, the ecological civilization that uh, Phil was just had had just talked about? Um, is that does that make sense for us to talk about that? Sure. I mean, the well-being part, I think, is it's just a term that is is a little less polarizing and i think that's kind of how it arose but the general idea is to kind of step outside the dominant narrative of what the economy does and what it's for and the parameters in which it it can operate and and then ask the question what do we need for our both personal community and ecological well-being and then try to reimagine the economy and how it would meet those needs, what we would need to do to do that. Because I think what we've gotten locked into is the framework of this is how the economy has to be. There is no real alternative. We can do these little tweaks, you know, with policy and and such, but um, but that we have to fit our needs within the existing system rather than, and I think we've lost sight of what our needs are. You know, people are now saying like, oh, it's okay, I have three jobs and like, you know, I can barely breathe. And, you know, people are like sharing, you know, like multiple families in one house or like, it's just, it's untenable really. It's untenable and people, I think the, the frog in the boiling pot where people have been kind of adjusted to it, but are also starting to feel the stress and the tension. Um, and the and the environment is cer certainly feeling the stress. Um, and I think we've, yeah, again, we've just gotten used to the status quo and to be able to step outside of that and say like, no, what do we actually want? is something else really possible. And a lot of the solidarity economy projects fit within, I think, where we want to go. But even just stepping back and asking that question, it opens people's minds in a way where I think it creates a sense of cognitive dissonance of like this economic system that we have isn't meeting our needs. You know, as you start to ask those questions and also hear your neighbors and, and community members and even politicians talk about like, well, yeah, it's actually not in any reasonable way. Um, you well, know, I think, I think we're, we're, we've just been taught to settle for less, right? I mean, like, exactly. as you were saying, gradually less and less and less. Yes. And the thing was, is that, that really there was, there wasn't really a, a time in the past the generations, couple of generations, where even when it did seem like there was like the opportunity for people to like you know make a living that was uh, like satisfying to them and and get the those those markers of success in, in our society, it 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 still wasn't really ecologically sound, obviously. And I, and I think that we've got used to kind of sitting, like Kelly says, sitting in that position, waiting, waiting, waiting. It's almost unbearable. We can't breathe but we don't feel there's anything else that can be done. The systems change hasn't happened yet. Desert just said in the chat, all these injustices, we need to develop parallel systems because the capitalist government isn't gonna change voluntarily. Corporate power won't change voluntarily. What we need to do is start to launch the new on the falling pillars of the old. As we get to late stage capitalism, we need to already be 
um, incubating other ways of living with each other, other experiments, other ways of living with the land, other ways of relating that aren't based on the capitalist system. So I'm with Desert on that one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the other things that I've noticed that people are are kind of sharing in the chat is, you know, these uh, there's been a number of kind of comments that speak to just like the 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 very small range of options that we think that we have available to us, you know, and also it, it all but it also speaks to like the, just the intentional limitations that have been put upon us, right? And so I think that is also one of the things that I kind of wanted to check in with you all about. If you're thinking really about like how to kind of counter that, like like I, I think I love what you're saying and I think it's wonderful. And I, I think it really speaks to, um, you know, people's hearts, right? People who want to just, for example, this is something I wanted to bring up was that, I, you know, it was revolutionary to me to find out that they had done studies not that long ago where they they figured out that like, like people were did not become marginally happier after a certain amount of income. So it was like 75 grand or somewhere between 75 and 100 grand, at which point after that, they did these studies where they found that like people actually did not, were not noticeably happier. Yeah. And the takeaway from that was that like, you know, we really don't need that much, right? This idea of the, like the 75 grand to 100 grand was really just like your basic needs are met, like your your basic economic needs are satisfied and and that is really once you've got you don't have to worry about where your food's coming in like yeah. the roof over your head you're you you have the room to be happy in your life you know but what i see in the chat is people saying i get that concept but i don't know where to go yes. because so i'm alone i'm like standing against the system like um mario savio said throw your body against the gears we've got to stop the gears from turning but it's really bloody hard to do that when you're alone and it's forming alternative communities that is in Oakland, in Pomona, in all these specific places where people experience a different way of being with each other. I mean, Kelly, that's what you keep emphasizing is we're Yeah, I'm sorry about the dog working. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, one of the things that strikes me, particularly in California, is I think it's really challenging for folks to even stand up and fight or imagine anything else when um, people are just struggling from day to day, you know, to survive. And so how do you even have the kind of excess time and excess energy and even like mental bandwidth to do something else? Uh, and so, you know, as we're building this bridge to the new economy, we also have to think about, you know, how do we get people from here to there and to start to even be able to have the the hope to have these yeah. conversations. Yeah, it's the same thing that I want to emphasize. We're lacking a sense of where we might be heading. So um, we created this the idea of, of find, what does that goal look like? What is, what's that destination? We can't know we're gonna get there, but if we can call that the hope, and then we move back from that to the present. And so we say, what the hell is around us right now? What do you see? When you look out your window, what do you see when you walk around the corner to a store or drive down the street um, in San Joaquin Valley? And then what's the pathway? Like, don't just give me utopia. I want to know the steps. Who's going to work with me? Who's going to resource us? What are our starting points? What do we value? What can we manifest in how we live together with each other? I think well-being hints at that it's it doesn't tell us yet what it is but the idea if we're we well-being in our local community with the people who are fighting and working toward the same things living in the same way then we can imagine expanding it outward can i ask um what like for 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 those of us who are feeling alone right and and not connected to this well-being economy or this you know it, it, what what can we look for? What kind of, what can we plug into? What kind of like options do we have? Uh, can you suggest for us? Mm -hmm. I'll just mention a couple of the organizations that are answering that and that are gonna be there at the tables um, next Friday. Um, so CAF uh, helps small farmers, mostly BIPOC farmers to gain access and hold access to their land. 
and to get this community supported agriculture that gets them fair prices for what they grow so that can continue. Um, in Pomona, urban farming for if you're without documentation, you're in the US, you're trained as a farmer, but you can't get access to land. The city council is setting aside these relatively small plots and people who have spent their life in the fields are being able to uh, grow again and sell again through worker owned businesses so that they can retain their money and do it without documentation. They're not afeared, afraid constantly that ICE is going to show up and they're going to be suddenly find themselves you know, flown out of the away from their family and their new community. Um, uh, the violence prevention programs, so we have really high violence in Pomona, are ways we combined it with this notion of neighborhood well-being. So things that are increasing the strengths of the neighborhoods and communities and community grows quickly in Hispanic neighborhoods when you take away the blocks. It's much more than Anglo communities are have a lot more trouble being deeply interlocked with each other, unfortunately. And that gets beyond that fear of isolation and moving forward. Let me stop there, but I know uh, Kelly has a ton of other examples she can add. Yeah, I guess one of the more exciting things I know that's coming about in California um, is pub the public banking movement is starting to really gain ground here. And um, so the Public Banking Alliance will be there. Um, of course, David Cobb is involved with that. Um, but I see that as like a really amazing um, potential catalyst for a lot of the other a solidarity economy and economic justice and environmental justice work that we want to do that is limited by, you know, what we can get funding for. Um, and I would say also, I'm particularly inspired along those lines um, of the shift to uh, community advised funds. So instead of like donor advised or um, you know, foundations just making decisions. There's a group of folks that are trying to kind of turn that on their head and the, the local communities that are being impacted actually get to help make the decisions about where the funds go. And so I think this kind of like economic democracy that's really bubbling up from the grassroots, including also like uh, participatory budgeting is growing in California. And I was actually um, one of the first people to help bring it to, to the Bay Area um, at its inception. Um, yeah, economic democracy, yeah. I think, is really the, the the movement for the future of the economy in California. But it definitely needs more funding. It needs more support and it needs more um, policy support as well. One thing we've left out is what it means to be on the streets with a large number of people where you feel like your allies, you know, brothers and sisters. I grew up as a little kid with a dad who was a professor at a hippie college called Sonoma State College, SSU now. And they drive down in old VW buses packed with students with placards. And when you march with hundreds of thousands of people, actually did that when our kids were little in the, in the 1990s, marching down Market Street, coming to Civic Center, Joan Baez singing. I don't know how old she was at the time, but still singing in the same place. And you feel, wow, there's an energy here that we're doing together. I wish I'd been in New York City when 400,000 people marched for the climate. And part of having a summit in Sacramento at um, right downtown is to feel like we're not alone. You know, when there's a hundred people together vibrating with these values and this um, commitment to make change, you just don't feel as alone. Yeah, you know, there is, uh, you know, a couple couple comments in the chat that I, I do want to touch on really briefly. And, you know, Kelly, um, who is a very beautiful woman, by the way, says it's a privilege to have the mental space and bandwidth at the end of the day to hope things could get better and be able to take action. And uh, Mantis kind of mentions many people do not have that privilege. Those people contend with constant stress. And I think that, you know, one of the reasons why I, I uh, often will ask about like practical matters and practical issues and how regular people can kind of like plug into, this, uh, you know, kind of like the a just economy, the the way that the all are describing is the you know that you know we we have the option, the bandwidth, the the room uh, to be able to discuss these things and consider uh, you know taking these options. Where whereas people who are not necessarily they they have to work all the time, they have to take care of their families. That that those options 
aren't necessarily open to them. And, and, you know, those, I, I feel like those are really, those are really the communities where we would like to um, really benefit the most. Like that's, those are the people that we want to reach and, and feel connected to. Yeah. And that what's powerful is that in most California communities, whether it's San Joaquin Valley, Bakersfield, whether it's tribal lands, whether it's the Bay area or LA, um, there are these community-based organizations, CBOs, that bring that natural connection for people who are working incredible hours. So we're our allies, Latino Latina Roundtable in Pomona. We're trying the Pomona Jobs Program is helping people to get better quality jobs toward that goal that one wage earner can earn enough so that a family of four can have shelter and food off that single salary. That's the that's the gold standard for a working person, you know. And there was this. We started one of the first women who, who joined the program was driving two hours all the way across LA to do um, daycare at a person's house, driving all the way back five days a week. And that's an unbearable lifestyle. But it was the only way that combined with her husband's income, they could keep the roof over their heads. There, but Latina Roundtable is there on the weekends, inviting people together, doing Spanish language events. Um, they're the grassroots and they bring those words as a CBO to city council to get the jobs program funded. Every community needs to have those on the ground programs speaking the language of the people and meeting the unmet needs. I, those are, that absolutely is the, the bottom line, the first line of support in impacted communities across our state. Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, that sounds great, man. Um, and and so for for people who are interested, uh, is that stuff that they can find out about on your your websites? Is, are are there is there information on there uh, that that people can plug in uh, by uh, following, going to your websites and 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 finding that stuff? Yeah. So the the point of being together in Sacramento is for people to talk about where these organizations are how they're doing good work and what they need with legislators listening to try to finally get the idea of what keeps a, a community coherent over time and then following up on the website and in events around the state so all the populations different populations we serve then the hourglass model means the support comes from sacramento and it goes to those local organizations that are meeting urgent needs. I'm sorry, but federal programs aren't doing it. State handouts aren't doing it. It actually is people bonding together in small locally based organizations. It's step one when you're, you know, you're barely holding your hand onto the cliff with a long fall below you. You know, you you realize your income is not going to keep you in the house. You realize you cannot go on working this number of jobs without collapse. You're fighting addictions. You're fighting violence on the streets. And that's the point where if we don't start, and this is how socialist movements has always begun, with communities supporting communities. If we don't start there, we can't make it. Is there anything you'd like to, to add to that, Kali? Yeah, um, I think, you know, there's this growing movement and it's, it's somewhat in California already, particularly um, in Los Angeles. Los Angeles for All has been hosting community assemblies um, about Washington yeah. State um, the state government has actually been um, building on community assemblies that were already happening and has just decided to allocate, I believe, a million dollars to help support community assemblies to influence policy. And and they, they have been in some respects in, in doing these co, what we call co-governance processes now, um, paying folks who otherwise wouldn't be able to attend to get their what we think of now as like expertise, lived expertise in what they're going through, what their communities are going through and having them advise on, you know, and co-craft legislation actually. Um, so I'm particularly inspired by that work and I would love to see California do something similar. Um, it is a very large state and we would probably have to break it down. Um, and we might even have to, you know, start doing it you know, from the grassroots with these community-based organizations uh, like Los Angeles for All, like Pomona, and um, and move that across the state and and really um, lift up the voices of the folks who are being impacted by California's economy. So, um, tell me, 
like I, I feel like you've been talking about it, but what is what do you see as the goal, the the outcome of the Just Economy Summit? Community. We are so isolated, and the I mean the feeling of desperation in the communities I work with with my friends is it's over the top. I mean, everyone goes, hey, we left COVID behind, right? Well, we left a million dead people behind for one, but underemployment and unemployment in urban centers remains. Like the rich people went on, their stock portfolios got bigger, right? During COVID, we hear, we're told the world's biggest five companies now dominate the you know global stock markets and people who lost their jobs don't have decent jobs again. No, and the, the jobs that they got are gig. That's part of they're part of the gig economy now. They're yeah. just they're just plugged into a gig economy, which where they have no rights, they have no protections, no oversight. It's they call outrageous. it essential workers, and what that really means is dispensable workers. It's a bullshit lying term. Sorry to be blunt, but we, the cool. conditions are not better for the people who didn't have all the property that would you know increase in value during COVID, and. So the idea of talking about a statewide summit that just says two things, it's got to be a just economy, just two words, a just economy. And we're going to say, let's build that coalition. We don't want a big Sacramento office. This is not about that. This is a bottom, it's a grassroots based movement. What are the groups? What do they need? Who are they? Can we magnify attention across the state? Can we get more coverage from San Francisco Chronicle, LA, Sacramento B. Can we get more uh, power for CBOs working on native lands who are underfunded, by the way, and trying to do the work that they do with the, the struggles of, um, of indigenous peoples? How are we gonna begin to take those steps? And I think it's, it's a matter of scaling. It's not gonna be top down. It'd be great to see more of the incredibly wealthy state money cover the support organizations in a more organic way. But if we don't start organizing, supporting each other and marching, we're not going to see change. That's, uh, yeah, I agree with that 100%. I think it definitely has to be a, um, as they say, a diversity of tactics for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, this has been a, a fantastic conversation. I'm really grateful for for you to uh, to be here and to share these thoughts with folks. Um, this is this is a an ongoing theme that we have at Redneck on Green that we've been talking about a lot. And, you know, it's great to hear the work that you are doing in support of these ideas. Um, we're going to wrap up, but, uh, but before we do, I, I want to give the two of you an opportunity to kind of share your thoughts with us, um, uh, any kind of like closing thoughts that, that you'd like to share. So, um, Philip, do you want to start? Sure. I thought that we could do this slowly. And I thought that we'd win government support in a so-called progressive state like California. And what happened is the um, disruption of the ecosystems, the increasing chaos around the globe, which leads then to the violence and the wars, was moving far faster than a lot of us believed. And now, 10 years later, we actually are in a, in a more precarious situation it seemed really crucial that we could invite people to come together to get their names down to get to speak of what the issues are and then not go away like an organization that serves the cbo's the community-based organizations across the state and refuses to let a bureaucratic solutions be enough in a time when it's not survivable in a lot of our communities anymore it's not survivable for small farms. It's not survivable for migrant workers. There aren't survival conditions in the poorest neighborhoods in the big cities, but actually a lot of folks are living now in the Bay Area, you know, having to travel from far out toward Antioch into the job in San Francisco because you can't, unless you're a millionaire, you can't get a house. You can't pay rent any longer. You guys know the, the cost. And it just feels like, it can't go on any longer. We have to begin to band together and be seen and be heard. That's what just economy means. That's what uh, March 8th and 9th, next Friday and Saturday are all about. And I really appreciate what you guys do week after week to feature this and not to be silent. And please don't don't shut up. Thank you, Phil. That's awesome. Uh, Kali? 
Yeah, I'll just echo what Philip said is like, we don't really have the option now to not radically, really, really radically reimagine our economy. And I know California is a challenge for that, but California can also be a model for the world, um, you know, and, and definitely for the rest of the country um, as the fourth largest economy in the world. And so, yeah, I just really encourage people to come to the summit and take this opportunity. Um, it's really an emergent process and we're really open um, to whoever wants to come and bring their ideas and their background and their perspectives um, to, to create a plan with us to move forward. Awesome. Thank you so much, folks. I am really grateful to you for being here. It's great to have you. Thanks to our audience for joining us. Um, yeah, so we will be back next week uh, with Kali Akuno of uh, Cooperation Jackson. Very excited for that show. Thanks so much, everyone, for being here. And uh, please do remember to like the video, uh, share it if you can. We really appreciate that. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you next week. Please keep fighting. Um, uh, love you guys. Bye. Thanks, Jacko. Take care.